exactly. So bear with me as I just try to draw just a rough map here. So what you have is you have the Persian Gulf. That's just the top of it. Coming out of it, you have the Euphrates River and then the Tigris on top. You can always remember that the Tiger pounces on top. And there are two other rivers that were mentioned. Was it two other ones or three other ones mentioned? Yes. I I can't either right off the top of my head, but they they say that you can see these dried out river beds from satellite. And those are the other ones that are mentioned. This right here, somewhere around in here, is believed to be the site of the Garden of Eden. Okay? Now when we were in Israel, we went to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, which by the way was started by one of the paratroopers that uh, dropped into Jerusalem during that six-day war and took the city. One of those paratroopers started that Temple Institute. But while we were there and we were listening to their presentation, they said that, let's see, just, it's just a real rough map. This is the Mediterranean Sea or the Great Sea. But they said that Mount Moriah in Jerusalem was the site of the Garden of Eden. So they said right here, uh, you know, you have the Temple Mount there on Mount Moriah. That's where Moses brought Isaac up to the top of the mountain, was going to sacrifice his son. Uh, they, they say that that's where the Lord formed Adam out of the, the dirt off the top of Mount Moriah, which we actually got to set foot on actual ground uh, of the mountain, uh, we went to one place where you could actually touch the ground. Everything else was covered by concrete or buildings or whatever. But that's not true. That's Jewish tradition. That's what Orthodox Jews believe. That is not true. It's not biblical. This is the site of the Garden of Eden. Okay? And then down here, you have, I'll just have the top of the Red Sea. Um, you have basically down here, you have the Sinai Peninsula where the Ten Commandments were given. And down here you have, probably should have drawn it just a little bit up here. You have the Memphis Delta and the Nile River. Okay, so you say, why are you drawing all that? Well, the Bible says that the land that belongs to Israel is not just this little piece right here, like they say in the news. And then they're trying to give half of that away to the Palestinian, uh, what, assembly, what is it, the uh, uh, Arab, Palestinian Authority, is that what it is? PLO, yeah. Well, they're trying to give half of that away to Israel's enemies and, and the West Bank, and, and all of it belongs to Israel, and actually God calls it his, his land. But what actually belongs to Israel is you go from the river in Egypt... To the river Euphrates, that's about a thousand miles. Okay? It's about a thousand miles. And you go from the river Euphrates up here to the top of the Fertile Crescent, somewhere around about here. You have, now this isn't going to be drawn to scale. Let me do it again. And you have 650 miles, roughly. And you draw this back down to here. And you have 650 miles. Now that's not perfect, but basically 
all of this land is going to be divvied up and given to the 12 tribes of Israel in the Millennial Kingdom. All of that belongs to Israel. Some interesting things I heard about this area. Talk about where drugs come from in the world today. Governments are funded by drugs. Uh, They say about 80%, I don't know how accurate that is, about 80% of drug trafficking happens right here on this Golden Crescent. Golden Crescent. Because that's the way travel happened. When Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees right down here, he traveled up this way to go to this land. This is all desert here in wilderness. You couldn't travel across that. So this is a major travel uh, spot here. And they say about 80% of drugs trafficking is through there. The other part's through China. Yeah. I think they, he, his father-in-law died somewhere around here in Haran. Yes. Then, a, then Abram left finally just with his nephew and, and his wife and his, so on. But that land, that all belongs... Israel, and they will get it. Uh, Here's another interesting thing to think about. This here is where life begins. This is where humanity begins. This is where it will end. Second Advent. That's where Jesus comes back. That's where he destroys the kingdoms of this world that are left that are fighting against him. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about that. But where it begins, where it ends... This is, this is the apple of God's eye. This is, it's like, it's, it's, it's everything that matters. Yes, the covenants, everything. This is where the Bible comes from. That means that America is not on top. Uh, is America in prophecy? It is. I'm going to show you tonight. Yes, it is. But... This is the main scene for all of anything that really matters to God in this book. So, any other nation that's mentioned is only mentioned as touching the Jew. So, as other nations interact with the Jews, or God uses other nations to punish His people and to judge them, then they're mentioned. Otherwise, they're not important. They're not of any real consequence. They're only important in the sense that God's not willing that any should perish. But the nations themselves, the governments of this world, they're all likened to beasts in the Bible. And uh, they're all... Another way to look at it is, Paul said that the gospel is supposed to go to the heathen. Right? Who's the heathen? Us. The heathen's anybody that's not Jewish. You say, why are we heathens? Uncircumcised? Yes, that's one. Give me another one. Why are we called heathen? Why are all the people of the world called heathen and dogs? Why? And why is Israel, the Jews, they're not. They're not dogs. They're not heathen. They're not beasts. Yeah, his chosen people. That's also true. Very true. Circumcision, the covenant, his chosen people. But there's another one. Think about why God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Remember, Abram and all his family, they were all idolaters. They worshipped many gods. So God called out Abram to be a witness to what? 
the, the one true God. And so all of the world had turned against God and are heathen. And then God's people were supposed to represent the one true God. And actually in that presentation that, that we had, I, I recorded it. So I went back and listened to it today to make sure I had my facts straight. But they said that Israel here is supposed to be like a light on the hill, a witness to the nations of the one true God. And in order to be reconciled to this God, Israel was raised up for that purpose. So anyone who does not believe in the one true God, doesn't believe in a God at all, or worships many gods, whatever, they are heathen. And that's why he always saved Noah and his group, the rest of them was heathen. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. And he was called a preacher of righteousness. Yep, and so uh, now that's that's Israel in the millennial kingdom. Okay, so all the twelve tribes will have different allotments of land. Uh, Noah, he lands on Mount Ararat, which would be somewhere right around up here, Turkey. That's where we believe his his boat landed. From there, Noah had three sons, right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, the Shemites, Orientals, they migrated this way. The uh, Japheth, the, or the uh, Caucasians, the Europeans, they migrated this way to Europe. Ham migrated this way to Egypt, Africa. So you have Shem going this way, Orientals. You have Ham going this way. And you have Japheth going this way, the, you know, the Goths and the Visigoths and all that stuff, and England and Ireland and Scotland. A lot of my family's Scottish and Irish, so that explains a lot of the trouble that uh, my family's gotten into. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, and down here, guess who the Canaanites are? You know, the Canaanites that were in the land up here, they're descendants of Ham, and they come from the land of Ham. Uh, Abraham, you know, he comes from here, and he comes over here, and God says, I'm going to make your seed like the sand of the sea, and so on and so forth. Well, Abraham gets, a whole, gets ahead of God and has a baby with, uh, was it Hagar, Sarah's wife, or, or handmaiden, and then has Ishmael. And then Ishmael was rejected, and he was cast out with the bondwoman. But then you have Ishmael, also the Ishmael, uh, the Palestinians, that's where they come from, and uh, that's where that trouble comes from. So, that's what's going on in the Middle East. Our study tonight is, is kind of going to look at where does America fit in. So, do you know where America is in the Bible? Alright, I'm going to show you. Isaiah 40. Let's look at Isaiah 40. Uh, any thoughts while we're turning here? I have a couple of illustrations does that spark any thought or conversation? Okay. Isaiah 40, verse 15. Now let me say, uh, you've heard me say it before and I still mean it. You, I said it when I first got here and I still mean it. Uh, I love my country. My country meant very little to me growing up. But once I served in the military, I appreciated my country, especially spending a year in South Korea and then coming back to America and seeing the difference between a third world country and our own land. 
made me appreciate our country, made me patriotic. Today, I'm ashamed of our country uh, for, for good reason, for good reason. Now, in our country, we have a lot of good people who are still reading the book, still reading God's book, still praying, still seeking to win the lost, uh, are regular faithful members of their churches, and are going about to do good like Jesus. But in China, you have some good people who are doing all those things. In Nigeria, you have some good people who are doing all those things. And so on and so forth. Uh, in Japan, the same thing's happening. But our country, our country is in the Bible, but it's not in a positive light. Okay, so I want you to see this. Now, Beth is over in France. She toured Normandy, which was amazing. She sent me pictures of it. I wish I could have seen it because she went to some of these museums and she was talking about how thankful France is for America. And they'll just come out and tell you. Cab drivers, people serving you food and little... Uh, she went to one little like food truck thing. It was really neat. I'll show you the picture. It might give you an idea, but it's really a unique looking little thing that this lady's working out of selling those little uh, crepes. Crepes? Yeah, crepes. Uh, but anyways, they love America. We're an ally. Why? Because we protected them from Germany. And our troops came in. She told, us, she told me the story about the 101st Airborne and the 82nd Airborne. Uh, I served with the 82nd. But the paratroopers coming in and, and, and what they did there in, at Normandy Beach and what the Rangers did. I almost went Ranger and I just wasn't hoo enough, you know. And, but uh, I almost went Ranger. And, but 225 Rangers stormed that beach, went straight up the cliff, you know, through, through uh, a javelin up there. And it, what's that? Yeah, Point Hawk. And, uh, and I got to see the, uh, the monument to that. 225 rangers scaled that cliff, climbing a, a, a rope ladder. Uh, only 90 survived to take out a gun that wasn't even there at the top. They found it, and they destroyed it eventually. 90 survived. I, I watched a video of a paratrooper telling the testimony about what it means about all these men who, who didn't live to see their future and so on, what the sacrifice was like. So believe me, I appreciate America. I appreciate the sacrifice that our soldiers have made, okay? Now, saying all of that, and I was willing to make that sacrifice. You do? Well, she went to that cemetery, the American cemetery. Okay. Yes. And so, um, heroic men. Uh, fighting to push back communism, you know, and then all, everything that happened afterwards was Russia and the Cold War and all that. It's very interesting. Now, I'm saying all that, and keep that all in mind as I say what I'm going to say, because now I'm going to preach the Bible not as a United States citizen. I'm going to preach the Bible as a citizen of heaven, because I have two citizenships, and guess which one is more important to me? My citizenship in heaven. So, please don't take this as anti-American. Okay, so Isaiah 40, verse 15 Isaiah 40, verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. So what is America? Verse 17. All nations before the Lord, before Jehovah, are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing. You know, I'm proud to be an American. I'm not. I'm not anymore. I can't be. 
If, if the more you learn about what's going on in America, you should not be proud of what we're doing. You should not be proud of this country. Now, I'm proud of people who are standing up for right, okay, in the sense of a good sense of pride. But should we be proud of something that God says all the nations are as nothing? Not just zeros, but do you remember in math when you learn negative numbers? We're less than zero in vanity. And vanity. Now, that's the nations. That's the nations. That's not the people, of course, because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But it's the evil world system. Okay? And God says the nations are as nothing. That's American prophecy. We're going to see some more. Israel is not numbered among the nations. They have a spot within the United Nations, headquartered out of New York, and I heard they have a building also in, in Chicago. But Israel is numbered among the nations in the United Nations, but not in the Bible. God does not number them. They're separate. You say, why are they separate? Because they're a witness to the one true God. And the, other, the, the nations turned against God long ago. Okay, So, that's sort of my, my introduction Let's look at Romans chapter 11. Now, turning from the nations for just a moment, what is going to happen with Israel? I know we've looked at this. Sometimes repetition is a good thing. We're going to look at it one more time. Romans chapter 11. What will happen with Israel? Since the nations are as nothing, that means the United States, in God's plan for the end times, they're nothing. They're less than nothing. They're vanity. That's this country. Um, Romans chapter 11, what about Israel? Well, Israel is spoken of here in verse 25. If you'd read that there, it talks about the partial blindness of Israel during the church age. Blindness in parts happened until fullness of the Gentiles come in. So God is saving Gentiles right now, the heathen. He's saving them. He's placing His love upon them. Freely offering to all eternal life. You, you cannot, cannot miss the great truth in the Bible that God loves this world and wants to save sinners. But as far as the nations of this world go, God has a controversy with the nations of this world. Soon He's going to turn back to Israel. And all the way down there to verse 26. And uh, Israel shall be saved, you see. That's a remnant that will be saved out of the tribulation. And Israel will once again flourish as a people and as a nation. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. From Jacob. So Jacob, that's the father of the twelve tribes, right? And his name was changed to Israel. So we're talking about the people, the, the ethnic people. We're talking about the race of Israel. And God is going to, what does he say? He's going to turn away ungodliness. Now, guys, there is a, in this world, there is a spirit of anti-Semitism. And it's, it's big time. Uh, the Muslims hate the Jews. Catholics hate the Jews. The Roman, the Holocaust was a Roman Catholic Holocaust. Uh, 
decimated 45% of the Jewish people. Uh, the British Israelism, uh, among the history of Britain, there's a hatred for the Jews. Uh, in Protestantism, Martin Luther, at the end of his ministry, Martin Luther, the founder of the German Reformation, so on, Lutheranism, he, he wrote against the Jews toward the end of his life, and he hated them. Uh, the Mormons, there's anti-Semitism within Mormons. Well, I think, it's, I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's a satanic thing. Um, at least it is in the book of Revelation. But they are they're a very proud people. Um, they're, they're envious. Yes. And Martin... Sorry. Yes, yeah. And yes, throughout the throughout the Bible, yes, all throughout the Bible, Satan was trying to destroy Israel because they had the seed of the Messiah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and if you hear about. Like, say, in, in schools, in the public school system in America, or, or anywhere in, in England, what they say is behind, you know how you have the ACLU, so what's it's called? The ACLU, they'll sue somebody if they pray in Jesus' name or something like that. They say behind all of that stuff are Jewish people. You know, if you, ha- if you have some kind of a Christmas cantata or something in the middle of a mall and you get sued, they say behind most of that, Jewish people suing. They hate Christ. They're, they're Christ killers. They really are. They killed Jesus. Right, and they're stiff-necked. And if you ever run into them, go to the Jewish, what do they call it, the Jewish, uh, in, in New York City, the uh, ghetto. Go to the Jewish ghetto, see what they treat you like. You'll come out of there, I'll never go back there again. That's what I hear. However, they'll run you out there. And they're, all the, they're the rich people in the world, they're the wealthy people in the world. But anyways, we're still told to love them. We're not allowed to be anti-Semitic. They say that Hitler studied that British Israelism, where British people thought that they replaced Israel, uh, that the, tri- the scepter of Judah went to Britain. But anyways, um, we're not allowed to hate them, but from what I hear, the more you learn about them, the easier it is for you to hate them. Because... Yeah. And I'm just learning, like, I'm just learning about them. I mean, I've known some things, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. There was, and when I, uh, this is kind of not even worth bringing up, but when I worked for FedEx, I delivered to this one Jewish man, and he had a jewelry store. And I, I'm telling you, I did not look forward to that stop. And it was almost like twice or two, three times a week I had to go there, and I always dreaded it. Just because of dealing with that guy. But anyways, that's in the side. But, so, all Israel will be saved though. Okay? And then, in doing that, how will God save Israel? He will deliver them from the Gentiles. The Gentiles that are trying to destroy them. Just like, just like Nazi Germany. So, look at Zephaniah 3. See how long it takes you to find Zephaniah Zephaniah 3. It's right towards the end of the Old Testament. Yeah. 
It's, uh, what is it, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah? Right before that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually the fourth one. But yep. Fourth one from the last of the Old Testament. Zephaniah 3, 8. How will God deliver Israel from the Gentile nations who are gathered around them to destroy them? And, and guys, the United Nations will be leading the way. And the General Assembly uh, of Nations, the League of Nations, it'll be leading the way. Um, you know, when what we call him Slick Willie, heard an old preacher call him Slick Willie. Uh, you had uh, him, and then you had the Bush dynasty. And wasn't it George W. Bush that promised the first thing that he would do when he got in office was he would move the embassy, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Was it him or his dad? Was it his dad? One, one of them, or maybe both of them. All the presidents talk about it? Okay. Never did it. So what did they do? They lied to us. But we finally had a president who had enough of a backbone to stand up and act like an American president, and he did. He moved it, which is surprising that it didn't cause a war, because everybody warned that if you do that, and then, and then also are an ally with Israel, it's going to cause a war, but it didn't. Yes. Yeah, and maybe something, but and, it, and God did it, and that is the reason why God is still blessing our country, or at least preserving it. But uh, look at Zephaniah three verse eight. That is the only reason I believe that America is still afloat is because. We're, we're in an alliance with Israel. Verse 8, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I, I rise up to the prey. Who's the prey? The nations. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation. That's wrath. Now, when God determines he's going to do something, he's going to do it. When I first came here five years ago, I determined that I was always going to have a, an invitation at the end of the services. And then I let that slip. And people don't really use the invitation, but still, we need to make use of it. And I let it slip. Well, I'm a man. But when God determines he's going to do something, you better believe it's going to happen, Right? And his determination, he is going to pour out his wrath. Even all my fear, all of it, my fierce anger for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Who's God jealous over? His bride, Israel. Jehovah's bride. Yep, he's, and he's, he's, he's jealous for, for them to purify them, and to rid this world of evil. And God, I'm telling you, he has, a con- he, has, he has a controversy with the nations. And America, guys, is part of that. Now, as we said, we are not appointed to wrath. This, what this is talking about, 1 Thessalonians 5.9, we're not going to go there, but we had looked at it. We are not appointed to this wrath. 
We're gone. But all of the Christ haters and the Christ deniers will be here who hate God and hate Israel. They'll be here. But we're not in darkness. We're not of that, that hour. We're of the day. So we should live like it. Amen? We should live like it. Now, this is a different dispensation, right? Am I supposed to say, I hate those Muslims, I hate those ragheads, those camel jockeys, I want to go and kill them all. Well, that might be good for a soldier to have that kind of attitude. We kind of need those kind of people. But, <laughs> but that's not our attitude. We love them. We should be willing to go and lay down our lives to reach them for Jesus. You say, why? Because we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love all men and live at peace with all men. That's what Jesus tells us to do right now. But later on, you see, God's got a different program. He says, don't avenge yourself. Right? He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You turn the other cheek. Isn't that something? That's why I'm saying you've got to rightly divide the word of God. You've got to get it in the right place. But there's coming a time when the door, the opportunity of the gospel and being saved, when that door is shut and God turns to a different program and he pours out his wrath. You say, upon who? Upon America and, and, and the whole world. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to come there, you see. That's where Jesus is going to touch down. But this judgment is going to be worldwide. Okay, one more before we quit tonight. Where will God uh, send His punishment and His judgment? Well, look at Jeremiah 30, if you would. So you have Isaiah, Jeremiah. Second of the major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, verse 30. Or chapter 30. Jeremiah, chapter 30. Um, And chapter 30 and verse 11. So, uh, when I learned that America is one of the largest consumers of human sex trafficking, uh, I tell you, I didn't feel shame. I felt, I mean, I knew that, I knew that, you know, America has gone down the tubes, but I just, you think about that stuff happening somewhere else. It hurts. It hurts. Especially because being a soldier, it hurts. It's, ha- it's, it's happening in California. It's happening in New Mexico. It's like, it's happening here. It's happening in New York. It's happening in Washington, D.C. You know, um, to think that my country is that wicked. This used to be a land that was known for righteousness after the Second Great Awakening. But it's still Yes, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and God's not done with America yet, because if He was, we'd know it. And we are still accomplishing some good things, but those soldiers who are out doing that, like what we accomplished in Afghanistan, man, that was great. Allowing women to vote that are never able to vote. But then all of that was undone, you know? And so, and, and, and when I think about transgenderism, why doesn't somebody stand up and say, this is not right? I hear some people are, you know, but uh, I hope that some of that is turned around, you know, and I think it can be. But, uh, but I don't hate transgender people or kids who transition and stuff like that. They're, 
Um, we, we need to reach them with the gospel, but... Huh? I think it's the way they want to deal with population. You have genders, you have gay, whatever. Yeah. They have kids. They yeah. Right. They've got to adopt or recruit. Personally, I think it's something to do with the population. Yes. Yeah. And that, that could, that's not far fetched to say that either. In common sense, yeah. And. Um, Yeah. I work at the voting polls. Half the women that could be voting. No. Oh. I did not know that. And look what women had to go through in order to get that. Exactly. And we all can lose that right at any time. Yes. And they say, uh, talk about that, women, women's liberation. There was a good side to that. Of course, there was the liberal other side. But, but they did need to be that was right, to be allowed to vote, be allowed to work, and so on and so forth. But then look what's happening, they say, with uh, slavery, that there's more slavery in the world than there has ever been. That's what they say. That movie that we watched, that Sound of Freedom, uh, that today there's more slavery even than there was in America when it was legalized. Now, you can check me on those numbers, but that's what, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something else we never think of. You got that, and then you got the 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 human trafficking. But they in prisons, uh, black people enslave one another in prisons. Have you ever heard about that? That's an interesting thing to learn about. There's slavery in prisons, federal prisons, and so on. So, okay, well, where is God going to go to punish this world? Well. Look at Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 11. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. That's Israel, his people. And uh, this is all prophecies about the tribulation and the millennial kingdom, if you're wondering in this chapter. I'm with thee to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee. So wherever the Jews have gone in the world... God's going to end that nation. He's going to punish that nation. Yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. So they are punished, but a remnant will survive, and God will rebuild from there. But the Gentile kingdoms of today will see their end and their demise. God is going to kill uh, the, the people of this world and end their nations everywhere that the Jews went. So in the United States, you have 6,400,000 Jews, according to uh, 2005 statistics. This is from Wikipedia. Canada, there's 393,660. In Canada, Russia, there's 229,000. Isn't that interesting? 938 in Russia. In Israel, there are five million. That's a wonderful fulfillment of prophecy. They're returning to the land. Five million, uh, 21,506. In Germany, even today, Germany, 107,160. And then there's others, many other nations where they're found. All of these nations will be punished, including America. He said, wherever I've scattered thee, that's where I will come and, and bring my judgment. In total... 
today, as of 2005, there were 14,596,217 Jews. That's after uh, 42% of the Jews were decimated by the Roman Catholic Holocaust. Think of how many there'd be if they hadn't killed them there. But uh, what will become of America then? Well, America's headed towards judgment, just like all the other nations, France as well. And can God bless America today? Guys, I, I'm of the opinion, I really don't think so. I don't think you can ask God to bless what's going on today. Uh, will America turn around? No. I don't believe so. And I was in a group of preachers uh, at the Pastors Fellowship at Denny's, and a guy get, got up, and a guy who had served in the army, served in the infantry, uh, and, and so on, uh, pastor, uh, that he stood up and he gave a good message, you know, it was on September 11th, and he said, uh, is America going to turn around? And, and all those preachers in there said, nope, America won't turn around. We're not going to come back from this. If you think about it, in closing, you, you have... Uh, Israel's two temples that have existed so far, and this really doesn't include the, the tabernacle, but one of the things I learned at that Temple Institute is that the two temples combined existed for 800 years. So, uh, what are those two temples? You had the one that Solomon built, right? Um, and then you had... Uh, Herod's rebuilt temple, uh, the, the one that Jesus would have seen in his disciples. But combined, they stood for 800 years. That is amazing. Especially when you consider that America is how old? What, we're like 200 and some years old? So 200 plus. 200 plus, and we're coming to the end, you know. The Lord is, he's going to wrap things up. Things are getting bad. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, it'll be like that when Jesus comes back. So, um, in comparison to Israel, America being a young country really is not going to last that long. But I am a firm believer that it is the, it's the church where salt and salt preserves. So I think as, as long as the church is influencing our government to support Israel, and as long as we are busy doing the work of the gospel, I think God will preserve America. And I think America will, will last because we, you know, with the United Nations and so on, I think we're going to last right through the tribulation. And I think America uh, will be in, in a league, will be united with the nations of this world, and will be fighting against Israel at last, at the end. So what you'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up, I'm, I'm done, but, so what you'll have is you'll have you, have you heard of the Battle of Armageddon? And, and have you heard of the Battle of Gog and Magog? I don't know what your understanding is here, but the way it looks to me, here's the seven-year tribulation period, and then here's the end of the millennium. Well, the way it looks to me is that when the Lord returns here, the second advent, you have Armageddon. Uh, is it two Ds? Armageddon. That's the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, and we know that a lot of the world is going to be destroyed with fire and so on during the tribulation. But then the Lord rebuilds now with Israel ruling the world, 
And uh, then you have Gentiles that walk into this, of course. But it's a, it's a Jewish uh, kingdom all over the world. At the end of that, Satan is loosed, right? So he's loosed. He was bound at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. He's loosed to stir up the nations. They actually revolt against Jesus. And then you have a battle there. And this is my understanding that this is uh, uh, Gog and Magog. So there will be another battle there between the Lord and people who come against him. And those people will be destroyed. So you have two great battles against uh, here, you know, the nations. The Lord comes back to defend his people. And then you have a section of humanity that rebels against Jesus Christ. And they are put down. And then comes the end. Then will come the great white throne judgment. The wicked dead will be brought up. Everybody else will be raptured up. And that's the way it looks to me. Is that the way you've understood it, Brother Clifford? Okay. You've got a remnant that comes out of that tribulation of Jews and Gentiles. Yes. And they go down to Judah. And they're saved there. Why Judah? No problem. I don't understand. Yeah. But there'll be a remnant down there called Petra, they think. Yeah. That's where they'll be saved. And you can see that thousand years right there. We'll be there, but there's going to be those that's born. There's going to be children born during then. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to accept Christ or Satan. Mm-hmm. And that's when they turn Satan loose again for a while. Yeah. And then they have to make a decision who they're going to serve. Yeah, so this would be the end of the times of the Gentiles. That's the end of the Gentile kingdoms. No more America after this. Uh, and, and What they say in the Old Testament, it's Jew only with the, the, with the remnant of Gentiles. Like I told you, yeah. Hagar, uh, the, uh, the prostitute, uh, Ruth, and Rahab, Ruth, the soldier, and uh, Nineveh. Yeah. That's the remnant of the, the uh, Gentiles. Yeah. When you get over into this part, that's when he brings the Jew back in. Yeah. Bring you back in with that covenant of Abraham. Right. And then their seed will multiply. Yes. So that's the end of the Gentile nations. But even here, and those are all unbelievers, obviously, that are destroyed there. And here at the end, you have unbelievers, again, who are destroyed. And then the end comes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, people have accused me of saying that you're imbalanced in your pulpit ministry because you, you emphasize this so much. It's the theme of the Bible. The theme of the Bible is the second advent. And they say, well, it's not practical. Well, listen. Yes, it is. You're a citizen of two different nations. Now, which one are you favoring? All right. If you give more of your time to this nation than you do to your heavenly citizenship, or if you give more money to this nation than you do to your heavenly kingdom, and so on, and if you, if you give more thought and concern for this than there, which one are you living for? It is very practical. you know. And are you busy trying to take somebody to heaven with you? I, this stuff is, is very practical, I think. But you can't preach at every service. You know, I understand that. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time together. It's been a good discussion around the Word of God. And um, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep, keep our heads cool and our hearts warm. And Lord, during this time, our job is to be signs and point people to Christ. 
and uh, to warn people, to warn people to repent and, and turn to Christ for forgiveness, place their faith and trust in Him. And Lord, our job is to love our enemies. And uh, the Jews are the, are the enemies of the gospel, uh, but we're supposed to love them. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to pray for them. And we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for salvation of many souls. I think the best thing, Lord, we can do for Israel right now is to send missionaries there.